in the not too distant future. Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to the last comic shop. Live from a shotgun shack in another part of the world, this is the last comic shop. My God, what have I done? There we go. I keep forgetting the gimmick. I know, right? We've got all kinds of gimmicks here, but one gimmick that never gets old is I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. Welcome back to another week of our fantastic broadcast where we bring to you some comic books that we read that you should check out possibly in your spare time if you have any. I'm joined as always with a guy that has plenty of spare time sometimes. That is Chad Smith. Now, Chad, what are you talking about? I know you've got like no spare. That's why I said you have spare time sometimes. I, I don't know yeah. when that sometimes is, but me either. And honestly, I should have more spare time than I do. And I'm back to the point where like now I have a little bit. I just don't know where it goes. <laughs> uh, one thing I was going to ask you, though, is one of the, the book we're reading on this week's show is Invincible by Robert Kirkman. The reason why we're doing this show is because later on this week on Amazon Prime, they're going to be debuting an animated TV show based on this property. Are you going to have spare time enough to watch that? I don't know. And the thing about me is, in the you can talk about the cast. It's an all-star cast. You, you were mentioning earlier. Uh, but Amazon Prime always seems like the, the knockoff brand of the streaming services to me. No matter how good the property is, if it's on Amazon Prime, I'm like, eh. <laughs> like the oh. tick was on Amazon Prime. I love the tick. And I, I watch this out. I'm like, eh. <laughs> good omens. I was like, this is really good. I should like this more than I do, but it's on Amazon Prime. So, eh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm the same way. There's like several Amazon Prime shows. I mean, I, I did actually get to watch like the first season of The Boys. I actually never watched the second season because, again, it was on Amazon Prime. I never watched Man in the High Castle because it was on Amazon Prime. But real quickly, uh, I've also got my other co-host, J.A. Scott. Now, J.A., have you watched a lot of shows on Amazon Prime? Are you going to be watching this Invincible show? I do watch, just finished binging season five of The Expanse on oh. Amazon Prime. But I will say, from what you're saying, it sounds like you both reckon that Amazon Prime is the Kmart of the streaming services. There you go. go there if you need to, but you hope other people don't see you walking out of the store. <laughs> oh, Lordy, that is a perfect analogy, I feel. Yes, Although, I don't... Are there still Kmarts? Oh. R.I.P. Kmart. <laughs> there's there's got to be at least one somewhere and it's there's that's actually I feel like on youtube there's actually a channel that plays kmark music they've like found old tapes of kmark music so you can listen to the music of kmark and pretend you're back shopping again kmark was the best for action figure collectors because they would overprice their toys and so nobody bought toys there but if you wanted something that came out six months ago or two years ago and you forgot to buy it and like now it's three times as much on eBay. You just go to Kmart. It's still there. 
it's like a dollar above what it was retail, but it still has all the original dust and everything on it. Wow. I miss Kmart. See, and that's the thing. I feel like, yeah, Amazon Prime is kind of like the Kmart. It's like the forgotten thing. You know, I think it's because you get it for free if you have Amazon, like the shipping. So you're just like, what is this? All right, fine. Is there stuff on there? All right, fine. But it's like yeah. the other stuff you got to you got to pay extra and you're like, OK, I'm paying extra for this. I'm going to definitely watch this. But I, I that's know. just it's too confusing. Mm. Why can't they have a separate thing so that my kids don't stumble onto this and say, I want to watch this season of Paw Patrol. I'm like, no, it doesn't have a little strike. Mm. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, Invincible is going to be coming out on it. And uh, as we mentioned, it's going to have an all star cast just to kind of list some of the folks that are going to be doing voice acting for this animated series. You've got Stephen Young. <laughs> Uh, who plays Mark Grayson, a.k.a. Invincible. Uh, a lot of folks might know him as uh, mainly Glenn Ree from the uh, Walking Dead series, also a Robert Kirkman property. Uh, but he also was on Voltron. Uh, for those folks that like Voltron, uh, oh, Netflix. Netflix. But uh, other folks that are going to be on this show, you've got uh, Sandra Oh as uh, Invincible's mom, Debbie Grayson. You've got Mark Hamill. As Art Rosebaum, you've got uh, Jillian Jacobs from Community and all those uh, other shows. Uh, she's going to be playing Adam Eve. And then Zachary Quinto, uh, for those folks that like the new Star Trek reboot and can remember uh, Heroes, he plays Robot. But the one that I wanted to, I was going to throw out the last, and this one especially for my buddy uh, uh, Chad, J.K. Simmons plays Omni-Man. It makes sense. Because he looks just like J.K. Simmons. Right. J.K. Simmons doing Jonah Jameson. But yes, doing Superman. I wonder if he's going to yell out, If it's a bowl, I need pictures. I would love it. I would love it. Wouldn't lie. Wouldn't lie. But we're not here to talk about the Invincible uh, TV show that's going to be coming out on Amazon Prime. We're here to educate you on the comic book that this is based on. And it's a very, very good comic book, at least in my opinion. We're going to get other people's opinions right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned for more of Invincible, the first 12 issues of this fantastic comic book run here on The Last Comic Show. It was the three-legged dog of comics. It was bad. These two gentlemen met in jail, and then when they got out, they started publishing. It should have been mobsters instead of doing what they do in comics. Management there was questionable at times. Some of it has to do with people who go to jail. We are sinners. We have corrupted the youth. Stuff that should never have been sold to kids. And then there was Charlton. I couldn't quite tell what they were doing. Charlton was just a hodgepodge of weird titles. What is this? Who am I dealing with? John threw nickels around like they were manhole covers. C.A. T-A-P. They were cheap. Hell yes, they're cheap. They were a special kind of special is what they were. Pretty was horrible. You could smell them beginning to decay even as they were rolling off the press. At one point, they actually did have to move the comics operation into a bowling alley. It's something out of a sitcom. We want to publish comic books in the worst way, and they did. It's been called the street fighting cousin of Marvel and DC. Maybe you've heard of them. Probably not. But you do know the industry legends that called it home. This is Charlton Comics. Follow at charltonmovie.com. Oh, it's going to suck. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop. And on today's program, we are doing a Robert Kirkman book that is not The Walking Dead. So if you were looking forward to zombies and, I don't know, Negan and all that stuff, mm. that, that's not our show today. It's, it's not. We're doing another Robert Kirkman property that is going to start its adaptation, you know, again, on the small screen this week. I was going to say, they can get their Glenn there. Yeah, 
They can get their Glenn there if they want. It is invincible. It is starts on Amazon Prime this week. And as a result, we feel it's our responsibility on this show to educate you on the comic book that inspired this hopefully successful animated show that will be uh, gracing the airwaves in just a few short days. Uh, so on today's program, we are going to be doing the first 12 issues of the Invincible series. And uh, real quickly, J.A., uh, who did the Invincible series other than Robert Kirkman? Okay, so uh, the Invincible series, which came out back in the early aughts originally, as mentioned, was written and lettered, did his own lettering by Robert Kirkman with art on the first issues by Corey Walker and colors by Bill Crabtree. Ryan Otley took over the artwork in issue eight, and he was on the series for the bulk of its run up until now, which is uh, 144 issues so far. He did like 127 of them. So doing the heavy lifting on the series, but not the first 12 issues that we reviewed is Ryan Otley. Don't forget, sorry to butt Inski, but uh, issue seven, they had a whole host of guest artists to help get them through the issue when they have the Guardians of the Globe, like people like Terry Stevens and Matt Roberts and Tony Moore and Mark Englert and Eric Larson and Dave Johnson from, uh, what's his name, the Lobster Guy? Yeah. Lobster Johnson. But yeah, Dave Johnson does all the colors all the time in that uh, Mike Mignola-verse. Yeah, and that's a, that is a seriously cool uh, issue, too, because, again, basically the Guardians of the Globe in the Invincible Universe are pretty much the Justice League of America. So to bring in these other artists to do the individual issues uh, with each of the characters, like the Batman analog and, and the Aquaman analog and the Wonder Woman analog, I thought it was pretty cool. But uh, real quickly, uh, Chad, what, what, what actually happens in the 10-cent synopsis of okay. the first 12 issues? Are we spoiling things right from the get-go? Sure, why not? Spoiling the net. Spoiling the net. Okay, so we have this teenager who, his dad is a superhero, and he discovers that he's getting superpowers, and as he's learning and developing his powers, uh, he finds out that his dad is actually an alien from another uh, planet who is getting ready to prepare Earth to be taken over by his alien race. <laughs> and as a result, that has just killed the Justice League equivalents. And it seems like a real bad dude with a real badass mustache. <laughs> and this is why we get J.K. Simmons as playing Omni-Man, I think. Because, I don't know, he, he scared me in Whiplash, I won't lie. Like, <laughs> his intensity was a little too much for me, for sure. If you thought he was scary in Whiplash, you should watch him in Oz. Yeah, yes, that is true. Isn't he like a neo-Nazi in that or something like that? I don't think there's any neo. He's just a full-on Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I have a question. Do they ever address why all the men have mustaches? <laughs> because, because it's awesome? <laughs> because all men should have mustaches. <laughs> I mean, did they get? Did they only get one broadcast from Earth, and it was Magnum PI? <laughs> no, I think it's like it's like that. It's that Movember. It's it's Mo. That's where they live. It's not. That's the real name of their planet. It's Movember. With great mustache comes great responsibility. Don't you understand this? 
All right. Well, any case, that was your 10 cent synopsis. And we are going to be reviewing this. And and again, we're going to get the initial thoughts. Uh, when we were going into this show, we thought it was going to be a little bit of an echo chamber because uh, Chad and I have wanted to read Invincible for quite some time. It's just a book that I guess we just never got around to. Right, Chad? I mean, it's it's always been out there. And you're like, ooh, we should read Invincible, right? Yeah, it, it came out in the 2000s when I was less focused on... Uh on comics, I would say. So it just sort of slipped under the radar. And then after it had gotten started, I was like, I'll read it once it's done. Yeah. And then I finished. And I was like, I'll get to it later. And I just keep pushing it off and pushing it off. Now we're doing it. Right. Absolutely. I, I was kind of the same way. I've, I've, I've read these particular issues a couple times now. But uh, it, it was one of those books that originally got me back into comic books. I remember living in Chicago, and I had a buddy, and at that time, I really wasn't reading a lot of comics. But he was like, dude, you got to check out this Invincible series. I know you're a Spider-Man fan. And he was explaining to me, he's like, what if Spider-Man had Superman powers? And I was just like, okay. And then he's like, and then his dad, like he's the bad guy and he has a mustache. And I was just like, okay, now, now <laughs> we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere. And so I, I picked up a couple issues at the comic book shops there in Chicago. And I really, really enjoyed it. For some reason, I fell off of the series uh, about the same time as this particular issue set that we read today kind of ended you would think that would have catapulted me onwards but for some reason i still fell off and so now that i've read these issues boy howdy i won't lie i'm already into the 50s i read the 12 issues for this week's show and then i just kept going i was like i cannot stop reading this invincible for some reason it's scratching and itch you're the one that has the free time (laughs) That's true. But there was one guy that, as we were talking in the pregame, he said, all right, I'm just going to save it for the show. And this is J.A. Scott. Now, J.A., what are your initial thoughts of Invincible? Invincible is a hot mess. It's all over the place. It doesn't know if it wants to be funny or it wants to be serious. It wants to be gory. It wants to be flippant. On one page, you've got teenagers waxing lyrical and having hot flashes while they go through puberty on the next page you have people getting their heads chopped off i thought that was part of its charm charm if you want charm you go to baltimore (laughs) the charm city (laughs) look listen i I was about to, to to really chalk this up to the fact that Chad and I grew up as Spider-Man fans. Like, we love Spider-Man. In fact, we love uh, well, some of our favorite issues of Spider-Man are the first, you know, 38 issues with Steve Ditko when you get to see Spider-Man kind of age in real time. You were never a Spider-Man guy. I mean, you read some Spider-Man because that's what everybody was doing. But, like, you were never a Spider-Man guy. Do you think that had something to do with it? I don't know, because I didn't have a problem with Invincible, the Invincible character, with the, um, you know, the high school stuff. What I had a problem was, was that it, that all seemed very sort of, you know, uh, just, you know, normal comic book stuff, fun hijinks in high school as a superhero. He's got his little superhero team with him. But then, like, the villains are blowing, are putting kids in bomb straitjackets and blowing them up. Or his dad is going and decapitating the Justice League analogs. That's what I had the big problem with. It's like 
the art and the colors. It's all fresh and it's fun and and it looks like you know a Saturday morning cartoon. And then on the next page, it's like you know rated R gore. Yeah, all your points are are true, <laughs> and they are terrible. There's a lot of terribility in this book. Right. Maybe this later. is because this was in the early 2000s. I don't know. Or are we looking through it through a lens of like, yeah, this was a this was okay back then. Now we've we've grown up a little bit. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a little bit of both. I don't think it was okay, but it was more common. I was going to say to your point about you know it came out in the early aughts and everything, but you know that was during the Afghanistan war. We had suicide bombers. Yeah, we had Britney Spears and everything else too. I, the change in tone from page to page, the juxtaposition between like this sort of fun, archy like teenage high school superhero thing and the next page it's like, you know, The Walking Dead. It turned me off. I will say though, that of the twelve issues, I really, really liked issue five, where he goes into space to fight that champion and ends up asking him questions and finds out that the guy was on the wrong planet the whole time. <laughs> Yes, Alan the alien. Yeah, he's he's a gem. Like if you like that particular character, he comes up quite a lot in in future issues. So at the very least, if you like him, like stick around. Maybe you want to read some more Invincible. But Chad, the JA just said a lot. I, I feel like I'll let you be the champion defender on this show as to the counterpoint on this. Okay. Well, one of the things I like about this book is that it's fun. And I think, as I think about it, the, the what held me back from really digging into the series was this came out around the same time as Ultimate Spider-Man, and for comfort food reasons, I was like, well, I'll just read Ultimate Spider-Man instead. But th- there's so many little details in here that uh, you know you can tell they're just having fun with the the comic book medium. I, I like little things like they they sneak Bill and Ted into the high school. I don't know if you guys caught them walking through the hallways. Yes. Or one of the guys are either complaining about the high school girls and they go to the college campus and like, these girls look just so much hotter and it's the same girls. <laughs> like it's the little silly stuff like that, that I really enjoyed. Um, and the story itself, like I, I'm not the biggest Superman guy, but I think Kirkman and company have found a way to put a twist on the whole Superman power set by making the dad, you know, this stronger, tougher, meaner uh, dude be an adversary. And now all of a sudden, even though Invincible has all these powers, like there's still somebody, you know, higher up on the food chain with that emotional connection. Like you go back to the old Amazing Spider-Mans with the, all the Norman Osborn and Harry Osborn stuff and all like all those emotions, all that soap opera drama, all of that is there along with the punching and the action and the fun and so I, I, I can I can see where Jay is coming from, where times it does get a little too gory, even for my taste. Um, I don't need to see entrails all the time. And I'm not the biggest fan of stories that end up using knockoff characters all the time. Like, it, you know, when you get those analogs, you have to really work hard to make them something other than just, oh, here's a copycat character. And that happens a lot in here. I feel like there are a lot of those little shortcuts. But at the same time, fun! Right, I, I was going to say the... Um... I agree that sometimes they they do cheat a little bit more than they want. Like, for example, I don't know if that character that's supposed to look like Rorschach is actually in any other books. Like, that was the weird thing. Like, sometimes, like, there's folks that are showing up from the Eric Larson universe, like Savage Dragon and Super Patriot. He's notorious for that. He's worse than Rob Liefeld. (laughs) 
with the knockoffs that are just so knockoffy. Right. Yeah, the, the elephant man who looks exactly like the rhino, except it's an elephant costume. Yeah. Yeah. But I so there was the guy that looked like Rorschach, and it was like specifically I was like okay at the beginning I think it's issue eight where he's like grilling uh, Omni Man, and you so you only see him from the back, and you're just like okay that's that's is that Rorschach? that you're you're trying to make it look like Rorschach right? He's even asking questions in the Rorschach bubbles, you know he gives the rumph and you like get the herm yeah yeah, and so but then he turns around and he's got like I don't know fangs and he looks completely different. I'm just like okay. I get it. You wanted to put Rorschach in your book, but you didn't. So I, I get those kind of things. And I was like, yeah, that's cheating a little bit. But then at the same time, I feel like there are, there are original characters here. Like, I'm a huge fan of Adam Eve. I really like her character. It's the Sam and Diane thing going on with Invincible, where you obviously know these two are going to get together. But you keep on reading issues like, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And Kirkman knows his audience that you keep pushing that out as far as you can. So even by issue 50, I, you know, they still haven't really gotten together. Like she, he's still with some other girl uh, by that time. So they're, they're really, it's a long drawn out thing, but she's a really neat character and, and got a really cool power set that'll be developed later on in the series uh, to be something really special. But I, the one thing I wanted to kind of mention here, uh, Robert Kirkman's manifesto for independent folks uh, which was the fact that Robert Kirkman says, yeah, sure, you you know, you work at DC or you work at Marvel just to get your foot in the door. But once you, you get that done, make sure that you keep all of your best ideas for your own books, like when you get to Image or something like that, so that you can then, you know, get a, those uh, those R&D dollars for things like, again, a, a Walking Dead television show or a Invincible television show. And I feel like Invincible is like, again, the manifesto in its like purest form. Because again, these are stories that Robert Kirkman could have done very easily in an Amazing Spider-Man book. He could have heck done them probably in a Superboy book, but he didn't. Like, he didn't do any of that. He saved them all for like, nope, this is my character who is, yes, Spider-Man, yes, Superman. I put them together and I've been able to create a whole universe worth of characters that I am going to get my royalties for. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, gentlemen? And I think that's maybe why I'm turned off a bit by it. It just seems like a very slickly produced retread of somebody else's ideas, you know, mashed up together. It's a mashup, I guess. So it's like, <laughs> to me, it is a comic book for comic book geeks, people who grew up reading Superman, reading Spider-Man, and are a little bit older and want to reread it. It's not something I would give a kid today to get him into comics. A, because there's those rated R bits that I don't I don't think, you know, under 16-year-olds should probably be reading. And B, it's just, you know, why read this when you can read the originals? Interesting. I was going to say, I really enjoyed the, the Viltrumite twist. Like, the, the whole planet, you know, getting Earth ready. Like, that was something that I thought was the divider for me, but, you know, where it became not a knockoff. And I, like I, I said earlier, I agree with you where the, the parts that go over the top really go over the top, and that's not necessarily my flavor. But at the same time, Kirkman never would have been able to do that at Marvel or DC. You never would have had Superman, even evil Superman, decapitating people or causing that sort of chaos, that sort of uh, blood spray. And I, I definitely think that there is an audience for it. 
There are adults that have never grown up, <coughs> just like us, and they are going to eat this stuff up with a spoon. I, and I remember when this book came out, everybody was talking about it. Everybody was singing its praises. They're saying, you know, this is one of the best things in comics at the time. And it's it's almost generational or cyclical with the, the whole Spider-Man and Superman retreads. Where it's like every 10 years, every 15 years, there's a new Spider-Man, there's a new Superman. And most of the times they're coming out of Marvel and DC. And so this was Kirkman taking his crack at it, you know, as an independent auteur, uh, Kirkman and company, the, the Corey Walkers and the Ryan Otleys and stuff. And so I'm happy for those guys to get their money. I'm happy for those guys to get some recognition and some exposure, you know, for taking all the same things they would be doing if they were doing work for hire. But now they, they've shaken off the shackles of the man. You know, he's not working for Disney, and he's not working for Warner Brothers or AT&T. He's working for Robert Kirkman. And there's something to be said there for, you know, the, the gusto that that takes and, and the rewards that he's reaped uh, since then. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I will add that you're right, that there is definitely a tonal shift when Omni-Man, I, I guess, reveals his true his true colors. I mean, if you read the first six issues, it's, I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's like that bomb storyline with the, with the evil teacher, but I feel like that is very, very generic comic books. It was an easy read, but it was very generic. Like, yeah, that just kind of happens. And, but you get to that issue seven, it is such a tonal shift. It is like such a, a kind of a game changing moment. And after that, everything builds to the eventual, showdown between Omni-Man and uh, Invincible, which kind of ends with one of the uh, first really great moments. Basically, Omni-Man just beats the tar out of his son and is basically saying, like, you know, you're going to live for, like, 500 years. You're going to be almost immortal. Like, you're, like, you're trying to defend Earth or whatever. These people aren't going to be around. Like, what are you going to have? And, you know, he's, he just basically says, like, I'll still have you, Dad. And, like, that's, like, the moment when Omni-Man, like, I don't know, pulls his punch and just, like, flies off into space with tears in his eyes and got me choked up. I know that much. A little uh, bit of overreaction on Dad's part there to go full throttle yeah. <laughs> right away. Right, I know, right? It, but it's super creepy, like, the, the issue before that, too. Like, all the stuff when, like, Ultra, Omni-Man retells his origin and he's, like, telling how he, like, has met his wife and he's like, yeah, you know, the one nice thing about it is I didn't know that you could just have sex, not just to procreate. And I was just like, oh, God, I don't need to hear this. I don't need to hear this at all. But it was one of those, it was, it, it, it you needed to have those moments in order for Omni-Man to then... I guess, have this redemption where he doesn't kill his son at the end, I guess. And it's funny, too, because uh, Mark has the same reaction. Like, later on, I don't know if it was that issue or an issue down the line where he comes home and mom's, hurt, mom's shirt's on backwards. And he's like, ah! I don't need to see this. Ah, yuck. And like, that's it, totally relatable. Uh, you know. I guess the question was, I mean, this is why I'm, like, I guess 50 issues in now. I, I really enjoyed it. It scratched an itch. I thought it was an easy read. I mean, J.A., do you feel like it was an easy read compared to other books, at least? Yeah, it was easy to get through. It wasn't heavy on the on the dialogue or the exposition. Uh, no charts. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's next week's show. Don't go into charts yet. We'll tease that oh. at the end of the program. Go on, J.A. It was easy to get through the issues. Uh, you know, they weren't dealing with super complex ideas. 
So on that respect, at least it what didn't take a long time to read. <laughs> <laughs> at least it was quick. Uh, there you go. Any silver linings from you? Yeah, so Bill Crabtree's colors are just beautiful. I think it's it's really beautifully colored. Uh, forget his name, the alien character with one eye who comes to Earth to fight them, and then turns out that he's got the wrong planet. It is a good and, issue. And, and then the exchange between uh, Omni-Man and, and Invincible, where it's like, yeah, I just so I talked to him, and it turns out he's, he, he was at the wrong place. Omni-Man, I've been fighting him every three years for the last 15. Hmm. <laughs> And mom's like, and the mom's like, oh, maybe you should have been smarter. Yeah, <laughs> talking out your issues like your son did. Maybe you can learn something instead of punching things. No, it's that is. And a, so I like maybe the reason why I like that issue is because it was a little bit more frivolous. There wasn't these hard shifts in tone uh, that the other issues had. Like I had a real problem with the fact that high school kids are getting strapped into bombs and becoming basically suicide bombers. That's not yeah. fun. Where, where's the fun in that? That's, that's yeah. not fun. Or, or that the big buildup to issue 12 is that the dad is kicking the crap out of his son. You know, that's parental beatings. Okay, yeah, they're both superheroes, but he's a teenager and it's his dad. I, I, don't, I didn't find that funny or, or, you know, character building. I found that to be reprehensible oh, as man. a father. Jay is making me feel bad about liking this. <laughs> He's got reasons, points, though. I mean, no, they're it's totally to, valid. I'm going into this saying, like, yeah, it's like the fun Spider-Man. It's like, yeah, it's like getting to see a character that's going through teenage, and like, it's awesome. In the first issue, and he's like, he's waiting for his powers. He's waiting for his powers, and he throws the burger bag up in the air and he's like yes when it starts and then like several issues later when it lands in like kazakhstan or something it was the best like it's like oh there's the bag of trash and i'm like aha that's that's a good callback but no <laughs> now now ja is making me feel bad about the fact that it's all about dad beating up his son like you're right yeah. i feel like if this was a manga i'd be like this is terrible <laughs> Is, although I will say, this is a different kind of terrible. This is just reckless want and violence, and I'm probably just a little bit dead inside. <laughs> as far as that goes. Alright. Well, we're going to be right back with more Last Comic Shop right after these messages with our grades uh, ratings. So make sure that you stick around for that. Hey everybody, this is Nerd Bomber here, one of the co-hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our weekly podcast started as a way for three friends to keep in touch and discuss their passion for movies, gaming, technology, and entertainment. And since then, we've grown into a fantastic online community. Every Wednesday, we release a new episode discussing the latest nerdy news, and then we go hands-on with our weekly adventures and a fun trivia show. Sound interesting? Check us out on every podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or hit us up at onlinewarriorspodcast.com. What is the Potter family? Hey y'all, it's Juliette Miranda from the Unwritable Rant Podcast. This is Michael Vasquez of the No Sound Bites Allowed Podcast. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob from the Something Something Cast. This is Knock from the Geek Ogre Podcast. This is Jeff with the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. This is Daniel from the Toe on the Trigger Podcast. This is Dave from the Parlapod Podcast. Hey guys, this is Mike from the Mike Jolet Show. Woo! We're Josh and David from the Scotch and Flicks Podcast. We are you. Podcasters coming together in a community to help one another grow. 
to follow us on Twitter at Potter Family. Use the hashtag Potter Family in your tweets and retweet other people who do the same. Potter Family, where great podcasts come home. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it's time for our ratings, where we have the audacity to say to somebody like Robert Kirkman, who's made a ton of money, much more money than we'll ever make on our podcast, on things like Walking Dead and now this Invincible show, like we're going to say, listen, we're going to rate your your work, sir. We're going to assign some sort of value to it, and you're going to have to like it. Or not. I don't know. You could not, not like it at all. You could you know. send us an email, state your case. That would be nice. A Facebook I would, post. I would lie. If, 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 even, if Robert Kirkman even took 10 seconds to actually say something about our podcast, boy, that would make my day. <laughs> no matter how angry he is. That's true. But as always, we do this on a one, of, one out of four scale. And as always, we have J.A. Scott give us an interesting way to rate our show. So this week, J.A., what is our rating scale? One out of four mustaches. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, whiskers. Uh, nice. It's still a weird sound effect, but that's what it sounds like. You know, I don't know if, if any uh, anybody ever knew what a mustache sounded like. To Chad, mustaches sound like greatness. That's right. <laughs> Google the tick that mustache feeling. It'll explain everything. Oh, the old right. cartoon from the 90s. So we're going to go ahead and start off with Chad, who's going to give us his rating for this particular book. So one out of four mustaches, Chad. What are you giving it? I say this every week. This is tough. Aww. So here's the thing. I had a ton of fun with this book. I, I, I prefer the Ryan Otley art speaking of the tick i think that's why i have the tick on the brain his faces just remind me of the tick characters and the tick cartoon from back in the 90s but no i'm a big fan i thought it was action-packed i had known the twist but that still didn't take any of the emotional impact away kirkman does a really solid job with the story everything stacks up to this being like a a four-level book but then ja comes in as like yeah, it's really ridiculously violent, almost unnecessarily so. And it is. And it's that thing where sometimes when you let creators do their own creator-owned work, sometimes when they don't have an editor, there's nobody to, to reel them back in. It just let things get away from them a little bit. And so I think that's definitely a knock on this book, is the way that you know it goes over that line, and it does so so nonchalantly, and then goes back to the fun, silly stuff. Uh, so I'm going to say three and a half out of four moustaches. All right. J.A., how many moustaches are you going to rate this? Is it just going to be a dirty stash? Just like a pencil-thin one? <laughs> it will not be a Carlo Esposito mustache. It will be two <laughs> mustaches. But my mustache is kind of like the, the mustache that a 17-year-old grows that, you know, doesn't quite come in yet, Is is a bit feathery thin a wispy a wispy wispy yes so wispy two mustaches i really had a problem with the way it jumped in tone between fun light airy and then just you know over the top violence and gore and i it turned me off the things that i have that i do like about it i love the art i really love the colors they just popped but i just couldn't get over that writing and uh 
Chad pointed out earlier, I wasn't a fan of all the analogs, and there are a ton of analogs. This is the Batman analog. This is the Wonder Woman analog. This is the Rhino analog. I just thought, yeah, I get what they're doing, but it's also kind of lazy. All right. Well, I am in the same camp with Chad in which I was riding high on this invincible train. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Obviously, I've read now like the first 50 issues and I'm going to probably finish this run. I won't lie. Like I'm in it to win it now with... um, this uh, invincible series and i want to see how it ends but i can't lie i had ja come in and and i'm not going to say that ja was a sad sack or rained on my parade but ja had valid points i'm hoping that those folks that like invincible and like this particular work listen to ja's uh very very articulate thoughts and kind of said yeah you know what he has a point uh, and he does. I mean, it's, it's hard not to disagree with my cousin that it is gory. It is violent. It is over the top. And, and there is a lot of tonal changes. And again, there's a lot of analogs to particular characters. And, and, and I think the biggest point that J.A. made in this that I can now kind of agree with is that this is a comic book for comic book fans. Like, maybe that's why I like it so much, because I've been a comic book fan all my life. And basically, in some ways, Robert Kirkman is recycling a lot of tropes that I feel comfortable with. Like, maybe this is tomato soup of comic books, in which is, ah, oh, this just tastes good. It's like Superman. It's like Spider-Man. It's just got a little bit different in it. So maybe, I don't know, they added basil to my tomato soup. So it just tastes a little bit different, but it still tastes good. And so I- I'm going to say it's got to be a three because I wouldn't give anything that was a comfort food or a comic book series that I would read the first 50 issues less than a three. But you're right. Maybe it's because I liked it when it first came out. Maybe uh, it was something that I'd always wanted to read and read more of, so I was excited to read more. Maybe I'm excited because of the Amazon Prime show that's coming out, but maybe there's like a little bit of the shine's been taken off since the beginning of this show, thanks to my cousin. Way to go. (laughs) Way to go, J.A., for taking... But I don't know. Maybe they're going to fix some of this stuff in, in in the Amazon Prime show. Maybe it is a little bit dated. I don't know. But it is kind of weird, though, that they're not calling this an all-ages cartoon show, that they're calling this a animated TV series. So maybe it will still be super violent. I couldn't see how you could do this without the violence. But one last point. You brought up earlier Kirkman's Manifesto, which was basically save your best ideas, artists and creators, and, and you know don't just give them away. But I feel like with all the analogs, he's trying to have his cake and eat it, too. He's, you know He has his best idea but he's still coasting off all those analogs. And so like now I'm like, wait a minute. I need to stop talking to Jay about Robert Kirkman stuff so I can enjoy it. (laughs) All right. Well, if you're looking for some of those analogs, they might show up in some of our recommendations as always on our particular program. We're going to give you other comic books that you can go to your local comic book shop and pick up. In addition to the first 12 issues of invincible, which I actually think is in either two trades. There's also a, 
think it's like a, a, a bigger collection, but it also has issue 13. I don't know. But anyways, these are some other comic books that you can pick up. And as always on this show, we give you a current book, a similar book, and a book out of left field. So we're going to start off with our current book. And that is, again, Chad. He's going to kick it off. So, Chad, what is our current book for today? Okay, so I mentioned earlier about how every generation, every 10 years or so, there is a new teens, you know, figuring out how to become a hero book, uh, you know, that takes on the essence of the old school Amazing Spider-Mans. And the one that is cooking currently that uh, I really enjoy is called Strange Academy. And it's basically Doctor Strange runs Hogwarts. And you have a, a host of different characters. There's Doyle Dormammu, who's, you know, the, the son of Dormammu. You have some Asgardian characters, some... Uh, Frost Giants show up in school, and the book, it's written by Scotty Young with Humberto Ramos on art and Edgar Delgado on colors most times, Um, and the book is just, it's fun and scary and all the things that, you know, you love watching those kids go through those sorts of things, it happens here in Strange Academy. There are those moments of romance, it's just, it's all over the place, but I feel like it's very much in that mold from Invincible of taking that teen torch but now it has a, a magical twist and i will say it's some of uh, ramos's best art of his career i think he is uh pulling out these little small details every issue it's action-packed anyway strange academy it's coming out of marvel comics check it out all right now well i'm gonna go up next and it's our similar pick for this week and uh of course if we're talking about uh, teenagers that have superpowers especially godlike superpowers in which they can punch planets or whatever you gotta go back to the original and that is shazam Yes, I'm going to be talking about the Shazam, a celebration of 75 years, which you can pick up in hardback, uh, a collection of some of the most important and interesting tales from the Big Red Cheese's illustrious career in comic books over the last seven decades. Through the course of 21 stories that are collected in this particular book, you get to see, again, the original orphaned kid that boards a magic subwave train and is whisked away by the wizard Shazam in order to gain powers of being the Earth's mightiest mortal. And all of those wonderful brushes with some of his fiercest foes. I mean, you get his rogues gallery from Dr. Savanya to King Cull to Black Adam to Mr. Mind. In fact, the Mr. Mind issue that's collected in this particular series comes from the Monster Society of Evil basically the credit as being the first and longest serialized story arc in the comic book history as it went over almost two years in the kind of like a serialized monthly chapter format and uh, again that's really my favorite part of this book given i'm kind of like a historian like you basically get to see this awesome way that cc beck used to draw captain marvel aka shazam but then not only that but you get to move on and you get to see jerry ordway's power of shazam from the 90s you get awesome little tales like shazam versus lobo and uh just some really really great stuff 
in this particular collection. Uh, the only thing I'm not a huge fan of is the fact that, like, they do have some Superman versus Shazam stories included here, which I hate to say it. Anytime they bring Shazam and they put him in a Superman book, it's usually to say, hey, look how cool Superman is compared to Captain Marvel and to kind of make sure that Captain Marvel is the second banana at DC in terms of having these awesome godlike powers. So he never wins in a fair fight with us, with Superman, which is kind of sad. But if you want to hear about, you know, where Mary Marvel came from and the Marvel family, Captain Marvel Jr., that's all in this collection. Go pick it up. I know you're not going to read some of these 1940s Shazam stories without something like this. So this is an awesome way for you to get your fill of classic Shazam! So anyways, we've got J.A. coming up next with our out-of-left-field pick. All right, so my out-of-left-field pick, if you were turned off by the tonal shifts between ultimate violence and fun, free-loving, arty comic book, and you want to get your, your comic books on about somebody who is seemingly invincible, lives forever... Why go any farther than Gillen Anipada, the Eternal Warrior? So I am recommending the first volume of the second series of the Eternal Warrior. This came out 2013. Uh, they, they've got it out in trade. Eternal Warrior Volume 1, Sword of the Wild. It's the first four issues of the re-release of the Eternal Warrior from Valiant by Greg Pak. Clayton Crane and Trevor Hairsign. The Eternal Warrior, for those who don't know, is a warrior who was born 10 millennia ago and has fought throughout time as sort of the, the hero Earth needs at that moment. But this series takes place in the modern days. He has hung up his sword and shield and has stopped fighting. And he wants to retire because he's tired of it. He's tired of fighting. He's tired of the blood and the gore. He wants to go back to high school. No, I'm kidding about that one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you fought that many wars and you've killed that many people, you're going to piss off some people. And a blood vendetta from a uh, very, very distant past suddenly comes back. And he has to decide if he's going to go back to fighting in the ways of war or ignore someone who betrayed him thousands of years ago so it, it taps into that whole the self journey along with uh you know what is war and what is duty and what is honor and and these great things and it's written for adults by adults and doesn't have this sort of uh tonal shifts that i had such an issue with with invincible so something that's a little bit more hardcore and you know what you're getting from page one Okay. Yeah, and I, and I won't lie, it is really good. As somebody that's been a longtime fan of Valiant's Eternal Warrior, uh, I can recommend that particular book. I can also recommend Wrath of the Eternal Warrior. Boy, howdy, is that a great four-issue arc with Eternal Warrior. Plus, Eternal Warrior shows up in Fred Van Lente's Fantastic Archers and Armstrong. So if you're a fan of Archer and Armstrong as well, there's some great issues with the Eternal Warrior. Plus, if you're ever interested, there's a live-action version of of the Eternal Warrior. He shows up in Ninjak versus the uh, Valiant Universe played by professional wrestler 
Johnny Morrison. So if you like Johnny Morrison, he plays Gillen Adipata. And what I got to say is, if you can track it down, Ninjak versus Valiant Universe, is it's, it's a trip. To say the least. That, that alone right there is why people need to download this podcast. No one else on earth would know such an esoteric piece of pop culture. That's true. Any case, and make sure that you download our podcast every single week by going out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It is our fantastic little website where you can rate, review, and subscribe to all of those various podcasting platforms that you can find our show on every week, like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, YouTube, Amazon Podcasts, and a variety of other fantastic places. Evidently, our show is very popular on Castbox, so make sure that you check us out on Castbox. It is one of the most popular places to find our show. Rock the Castbox. That's right. Start off with the Talking Heads. We're finishing with the Clash. It's great. Uh, make sure that you tune in for next week's show. As we might have mentioned previously, when we were talking about charts, we're going to be doing Ten of Swords, the next signpost in Jonathan Hickman's X Men journey x-men so if you liked house of x and powers of 10 make sure you tune into next week's show and uh, what else can they find out on our website ja lots of merch perfect for your kid who's going to high school and becoming a superhero t-shirts hoodies mugs beer koozies wait they shouldn't have beer koozies yeah they're not in college yet come on now Mm. and while we may be the last comic shop Chances are, in your time, we are not quite the last comic shop. So, go to www.comicshoplocator.com and find a comic shop near you and help support these businesses that help provide us with all this wonderful entertainment and even more. Right. And until next week, I was the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by my co-hosts, Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And make sure all of you stay safe, stay sheltered, And make sure you get a really good mustache wax. It is worth its weight in gold, folks. You want to make sure it's firm, yet yielding to the touch. If you know (laughs) that with a good mustache, folks are going to want to touch that sucker. I don't think we spend enough time talking about how bad Guardians of the Globe is as a name. (laughs) (laughs) It is awful. Why was the Batman analog named Darkwing? I just kept on thinking of St. Canard and let's get dangerous. Comic Shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.